Hello and welcome to Atomic Geekdom. My name is Dave, and today we have a very, very special episode for you. Uh, joining me along for this awesome ride, uh, the second time on this trip, uh, is Jenny. Hello, hello. Uh, so, a very good book was released yesterday. Um, the writer's name is Andy Weir, and we've had him on the show to talk about his first book, which was The Martian which was a very successful novel, turned into a very good movie, which I believe won some awards. Uh, yeah. st- starring Matt Damon in the, the titular role. Oh, wait, no. The, well, yeah, I guess he was the Martian. So, yes. Uh, good good book. Uh, you know, good movie, great book. Put it that way. Um, I agree. <clears throat> so, yeah. Uh, we have... Uh, stupid phone is not... On silent, because it's way past my bedtime today, and I'm not thinking straight. But anyway, uh, yeah, he's got a new book that came out yesterday, Tuesday, the 14th, called Artemis. And we highly recommend you pick it up. Um, but before you do it, if you want, you could jump into our interview with Andy Weir to talk about Artemis. Which we will play for you now. All right, joining us today on the podcast, uh, he's a return guest. We are so excited that we can make this happen uh, to get him back on the show. We were excited and geeked out to have him the first time to talk about uh, how great and how much we loved his first book, The Martian, uh, before it became uh, an even more you know entertaining movie as well. It doesn't really translate often with book to movie, but I was I was I enjoyed the whole time. I think Jenny did too. Yep. There we go. I didn't want to talk for it. Uh, but we are talking today to writer Andy Weir. Um, and we're going to talk about his newest book. Uh, the uh, It's just called Artemis. I almost said The Artemis. I don't know why. <laughs> um, before we dig into Artemis, I want to ask you, because we hadn't talked to you after the movie came out, what did you think of what they did with, with your with your book? Uh, sure. Oh, well, first off, thanks for having me. <laughs> um, second off, um, yeah. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job with the film on the Martian. I mean, it was just great. I, I just could could not have done a better job. They 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 just did. It was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, uh, I you know I'm a particular fan of Donald Glover. So uh, oh yeah, me too. I really enjoyed his performance. I was really thrilled that that when he got the role, I was like yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then I was kind of following him around like a puppy at the premiere. I'm like, hey, man. <laughs> was, was he cool? Was he cool a person? I imagine he is. Yeah, he's totally cool. He's kind of exactly what you think he'd be like. He's really cool. He's really mellow. He's pretty funny. And, like, eventually I just decided to kind of stop following him around because I figure at some point he's got to get creeped out. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe maybe leave the guy alone a little. <laughs> <laughs> Not it. so clingy. <laughs> yeah. Just rate it in like, a little hey, bit. Man, so what are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> I would have done. You got the same my thing. digits, right? Digits, right? Yeah. I probably would have annoyed him with so much Troy and Abed. A little bit. I did a little bit. <laughs> and telling him how much he should be Spider-Man, but yeah, that's a that's a different yep. story. Yeah, uh, well, you know how it is. We uh, get what we want. That's right. That's right. Uh, so with Artemis, uh, completely different animal. Uh, you're still in space with the, with the story. But um, what I wanted to ask you immediately is because, well, the first book, it's written from a man's perspective. Um, for the most part, you have other scenes with, with, other, with other people. But this is pretty much all, this book, Artemis, is all in one person's vision. Uh, one person's <laughs> perspective, I should say. 
was it difficult for you being a man to write as a woman? Just assume my gender. I, yeah. <laughs> um, so it was, um, yes, it was. And it was a source of constant insecurity for me. Um, I didn't sit down and choose, like, I, I didn't sit down and go, like, I'm going to have a female lead. Right. And da da da. What happened was I went through several revisions and ideas for plots for Artemis. And um, in the first version, uh, Jazz was like a very tertiary character. I was just like, <laughs> I, I made her up on the spot. I was like, okay, I need a, a likable smuggler rogue type for, you know, two or three scenes. Um, what's a country I haven't used yet? Saudi Arabia. Okay, great. Uh, let's make her a woman too, just because. All right, there we go. Jazz is born. And then that was it. Like she was this really minor character, but um, I didn't like what I came up with for that first story. So I came up with a second story and Jazz was more central in that one, but still a secondary character. And, but I, she ended up getting defined a little bit more. And then I'm like, well, this story also sucks. So <laughs> I'm going to instead, I, I'm, I seem to like jazz. She's pretty cool. She's a good story element. So what if I made a story about her? And, and so that's what Artemis is. And uh, by the time I made that decision, she was so cemented in my mind as being a woman who was who grew up in Artemis, but was born and raised until age six in Saudi Arabia that I couldn't mentally change her. I couldn't say like, oh, I'm going to make her a guy to make it easier for me to write it, Like my imagination would have rebelled. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. She's she was defined in my head. And so I uh, found myself writing a female Saudi lead, which are two things I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> As as a woman, I'll have to say thumbs up. You didn't do bad at all. Um, you got all those is, X chromosomes running around, and you you approve. I approve. Um, <laughs> it's really funny though. Like I, I love hearing that part of it because I'm gonna be honest with you. For the first like six chapters, I was just like, this bitch, man. Like she could, <laughs> she didn't do anything. Like everything she did was just like, I need money. I you know, and I was just like. <laughs> Why are you such a colossal asshole? Yeah. <laughs> but at least she admitted I love it. That it was, yeah. <laughs> I love that it wasn't like a gender base because I know women like her. And oh, <laughs> I I read her with my friend in mind. This is my friend Courtney, one hundred percent. Aside from the smuggling uh, <laughs> and living on the moon, that and she's not Saudi, but uh, that's my friend Courtney. <laughs> Uh, the voice and everything. I'm like, wow, he, he like researched my friend Courtney. Apparently, <laughs> I have that. I have that same feeling. Like the entire time, it was almost like, you know, when you have that friend or your sister or something like that. That's just a colossal f up, you know. And you're just yeah. like, really, that's that's the decision. You're make. <laughs> I spent well, half the book going. I just want to smack her upside the head. And then as it progresses, like, it's not that her character changed. Her motivations changed, and. I'm just like, I'm like cheerleading for her. And I'm like, I'm on your side, Jazz. I've got you. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why am I liking her now? <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, that was sort of deliberate. I mean, like Jazz is a screw up. She's uh, She makes bad decisions. She's made bad decisions earlier in her life. She's a deeply flawed character. Um, I, I think uh, I think perfect characters are boring. You know, you want, mm -hmm. <laughs> want them to be screwed up in some way it doesn't have to be like some deep deep psychological hurt or you know drug addiction or anything like that but you know like i she made bad decisions most of her problems are self-inflicted <laughs> yeah I, it... I like i like too though that like she didn't really blame anybody for her problems yeah. which kind of helped put into the fact that she's a smart chick you know she she gets stuff 
Now, if she started going, well, it was all this person's fault or this person's fault, I'd have a harder time believing her. Yeah. But I, I love that. And once you get through the book and you start actually learning about the other characters that interact with it, I had that like mixed feeling of, I love these guys and I feel so bad for them for having to deal with her all these years. <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the way some of her past is told through the emails or the messages with Kelvin. Uh, I liked that story device. I don't know. What made you think of doing it that way? Well, uh, exactly that, uh, a framing device. Well, two things. First off, it ties into the main plot. I don't mm -hmm. know if you're there yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but also, um, it, it, it solved a lot of problems. First off, it gave me an avenue of just talking about Jazz's past life without having to go through it one year at a time. Mm -hmm. Like, if you have, like, a, a seven-year time jump between these little inner chapters that are emails, it doesn't seem odd to you. But if I was telling a story just start to finish and I just suddenly jumped over seven years, you'd be like, wait, what? That, what? <laughs> right. So it, it gave me an excuse to give, to cherry-pick data and moments from her life to give to you without without having to make a bunch of shoe leather and support structure around it that plus it also kind of details how the smuggling operation works yeah yeah i'll admit it now since we haven't talked about it yet i have not finished the book uh i am uh severely unprofessional in this podcast but Je <laughs> jenny has so uh if there's some kind of turn coming with kelvin i haven't gotten there yet uh <laughs> so uh but everything i've read i'm more than more than i'm almost done and i i cannot stop reading it at this point I knew once I started, I wouldn't be able to stop. It was the same thing with The Martian. But uh, also with the same thing with The Martian, it's nerd central. There's so much stuff in there, uh, science-wise and math-wise. And, uh, and just like The Martian, there's a lot of that with him figuring things out and how to how to survive. Um, how much time did you have to research for this book? Oh, boy. I, I mean, I spent about a year working on it. And I spent a lot of that time researching. I basically designed the whole city of Artemis and its history and economic <laughs> basis and everything like that before I came up with characters or a story to take place in it. And so I did all the world building first. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, that took me months and months <laughs> of just research and putting all that stuff together. Were, were you an uh, economics uh, expert going in? Not at all, uh, and I would not consider myself one now, but I do believe that, um, you know, civilization or whatever, uh, you know, colonization, mm -hmm. I guess, doesn't happen without an economic reason. Yeah. You can't, I mean, people don't just go live somewhere for no reason. They, they have to have a reason why they went and made their lives somewhere. And so I came, I really, really wanted the economy of Artemis to make sense. It's one, of, it's one of my pet peeves when I'm watching a science fiction show and it's like, oh, and these people live on Mars and there's a million people there. I'm like, why? <laughs> right. right. Wait, what, what? <laughs> and when people say, oh, and here's why we colonize the moon, it's like sometimes the story will say like, oh, well, uh, colonize the moon because mining. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, first off, there's really nothing on the moon that you can't just get on Earth. <laughs> right. And second off, um, send robots. Why would you send humans? They're so much harder to keep alive. And then the, then some other stories are like, oh, there was overpopulation on Earth. I'm like, oh, for every part of Earth is easier to colonize than any part of the moon. <laughs> I mean, so colonize the Sahara, colonize Antarctica, colonize the seafloor. Right. It's all so much easier than going to the freaking moon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've been making boats that go underwater for quite a while. 
In fact, we've been making boats that go underwater for thousands of years, but we've been, only been making boats that come back up from underwater for, you know, about 100 years. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Rather but, colonize the sea than, than the moon. <laughs> much easier. But, um, but yeah, so, um, so for me, the economic foundation I came up with was tourism. Mm-hmm. And it's based on the kind of presumption that uh, market, that, that the kind of like, competition within the space industry would drive the price uh, to low Earth orbit down low enough that middle class people can afford to go to space as a vacation. Sure. Once like that, that happens, it'll be a huge boom and it'll be a viable industry. And that's the sort of thing that people invest in. And Artemis is basically just a resort town. Economically, it's no different than like a small town in the Caribbean with like a bunch of really opulent hotels along the beach and then a bunch of kind of more austere living conditions for the people who live and work there. Like Jurassic Park without the dinosaurs. Uh, well, Jurassic no, I'm Park just without the dinosaurs is just <laughs> an island park. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the island. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to park. <laughs> so, like, all right. So, are you? You're obviously probably following all the stuff with like Elon Musk and stuff, wanting to send people to Mars, like huh? just road trips to Mars in like 2024. Sure. Yeah. No. I mean, I pay attention to all that stuff, and I think private space companies, sp- SpaceX being like the canonical example, <laughs> um, are really the way forward for uh, space technology. Governments have gotten to the point where they're so. Uh, government agencies like NASA, ESA, stuff like that, they're so, um, uh, how do I put it, they're so susceptible to changes in policy as administrations come and go that it's hard for them to accomplish the long-term goals. Um, but uh, private spaceflight are like, yeah, we don't we don't have to have manufacturing facilities in all 50 states to satisfy the senators who are funding us. We'll do whatever's cheapest, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I'm I, I think SpaceX is really upending the industry with how much they're driving the price down. And what would be awesome is if there was another Elon Musk kind of guy in some other country like Japan or somewhere, and then there'd be like two companies similar to, you know, there'd be SpaceX mm. and then, you know, a similar company competing with each other. Um, different. Kind of like, say- like the U.S. and Russia back in the, the moon. No, I'm thinking more like Air, uh, like Airbus and Boeing. Sure, like Microsoft um, and Apple. Uh, kind of, but I think it's better when they're in different countries that right. way. Yeah, right. Because right. when there's a lot of money going around, mm-hmm. it becomes more efficient to try to affect policy mm-hmm. than it does to actually make your product better. Right, right. And so if two countries, if two companies are in the same country, <laughs> they start working on getting laws passed that are favorable to them instead of actually improving their product. But when they're in different countries then they have no choice but to compete. Sure. And honestly, I think the vitriolic and hate-filled competition <laughs> between Boeing and Airbus has driven the aeronautical industry just so much further than it would have been if it was only one of those companies. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. You, The part that surprised me, and I hope I read this right, for some reason, I think everything in space is, like, frozen. And I didn't realize, like, if you're on the moon, you could burn Oh, sure. So, well, um, so the science behind that, is that what you wanted to ask about? Or? Yeah, well, because you mentioned just a minute ago, it'd be easier to make a habitat in the Sahara. Yeah. Could you, could it ideally be an Artemis-type place in the Sahara based sure. on that? Like, I, I, I mean, you could build, you could build something like Artemis. <laughs> you never thought about what? Being burnt <laughs> oh. on the moon. 
Well, yeah. So, so the reason things freeze in space, well, is twofold. In the short term, if you just take a glass of water and put it in a vacuum chamber, it free, it will boil, and then it, it will it will start boiling, and um, then after a little while, there'll be just some ice left, and that's it. The reason is because basically. Uh, the vapor pressure goes way down. In fact, it goes all the way down to zero when you when you have it in a vacuum. And that means that the faster moving molecules of water are able to leave, uh, are able to escape the, the, the liquid. Okay. And so that means that you have the faster moving molecules are all leaving the water and becoming a gas. Right. And so all you're left with is the slower moving molecules that weren't able to escape. Well, slow moving molecules are cold. So you're basically specifically taking just the hot molecules out of the water and leaving behind only the cold ones. And so that's why you're left with like a little block of ice and a bunch of water vapor when you put stuff in a vacuum. That's what happens in the short term with water. In the longer term, uh, or sorry, that's what happens in the short term with space. In the longer term, um, that is why like water will freeze in space, and that's why if you if you're a human and you're like exposed to a vacuum, like the the liquids on your mucous membranes, like your eyes and stuff like that, will start to boil and freeze and. That's, you know, pretty rough. Um, in the longer term, if you put something like a spaceship out in space, what happens is um, all, everything gives off energy. Um, it's called black body radiation. Everything based on its temperature emits light. The hotter it is, the higher the frequency of light. That's why when you heat something up hot enough, it turns red because it actually is now emitting light that's in the visible spectrum. And mm. the hotter it gets, the the, it'll go through the colors until it starts looking white because the main the main wavelength it's giving off is mm -hmm. above our spectrum. Anyway, <laughs> um, when you're if you just take a spaceship or something like that that's 20 degrees Celsius and put it out in space, it will be radiating out infrared light. Okay, great, but that means it's losing energy, right? The energy is leaving, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that means it's cooling down, and that and without something to heat it back up again. It, uh, it's it's going to freeze. And so you take things like um, take something on the large planetary scale, like, for instance, a planet like, say, Mars. It's radiating out heat and all it's radiating out energy in all directions because mm -hmm. it has a temperature, too, just like anything else. However, it's absorbing heat in the form of sunlight. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there is a balance point uh, at which it's like, OK, where. It's radiating out the same amount of energy that it's absorbing from the sun, and then that'll just kind of go on indefinitely. Mm -hmm. Well, that balance point turns out to be really, really cold. <laughs> on Earth, it's a little warmer. Mm -hmm. um, on the moon, uh, the moon goes through wild, violent temperature changes because when it's if you're if you're pointed at the sun, if you're on the day side of the moon, um, it's uh, like 180 degrees Celsius on the surface. That's almost like it's like 300 degrees Fahrenheit, something like that. I mean, it's really, really hot. The rocks, everything have absorbed that much energy and they're just really, really hot. Meanwhile, on the other side, it's like minus 180. <laughs> it's like very, very, very cold <laughs> because with no atmosphere to act as a buffer, it just goes from like hot to cold very quickly. And you guys, and vice in, versa. You guys in California so, are complaining about a heat wave. Yeah, <laughs> we are though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, it's late October yesterday. the time we're recording this and it's just 
hot still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. It, it got to 104 yesterday. I was so glad that it was only 99 today. Where are you? <clears throat> uh, down just south of L.A. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm up in the Bay Area. So a little cooler here, but still just miserable hot. Uh, here I finally got my fall, <laughs> fall 50s and 40s, okay. and I'm leaving on Friday to go to you guys. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bring some shorts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I need to compliment you uh, and, and kiss a little butt because – both your characters, your main your main characters, um, Watney and now Jazz, are so engrossing and likable. Even though you know Jazz does not start that way. Uh, <laughs> uh, Mark Watney is somebody I'd wanna I'd wanna sit, take a class from. You know I'd wanna I'd wanna learn from from him. And then Jazz is somebody I would get turned down by at a bar. Uh, but but I definitely want to try to talk to her. You know. Uh, <laughs> In fairness, I think she turned down Brad Pitt. <laughs> sure. Sure. Are you saying I'm like uh, Brad Pitt? Is that what you're saying? That's the obvious conclusion. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the, well, um, the thing is, like, I've noticed that, you know, so we've we've sent out galley copies and review copies to folks like you and also give, sold them at conventions and whatnot. So there's a lot of reviews up on Goodreads and a few on Amazon and a lot of people on their own blogs. So I've, I've already I'm already starting to get a lot of feedback on it. One thing I've learned is like. Uh, just like Jenny, a lot of people really don't like jazz that much. They're like, wow, she's annoying. I'm reading the rest of the book despite her, not because <laughs> I'm like her, you know? And I'm like, okay, well that was unintentional. I didn't want that. But, um, one thing that's kind of funny is I, I, I say it like Mark Watney was based on my own real personality, right? Mm -hmm. He's the idealized version of me. He's what I wish I were. He's, he's got all the traits that I have that I like, and he has none of my flaws. Sure, none of sure. my many, many, many flaws. He doesn't. He doesn't have any of that. He doesn't have my neuroses, my insecurities, my problems. Mm -hmm. um, he's not a dick in the same way I am at times. You know, he's <laughs> he's a good guy, and that's why you would like to have a beer with him. He's a very likable guy, mm -hmm. right? Um, Jazz is a little closer to the real me. <laughs> you know, just like bad decisions in her past, mm -hmm. not always. Yeah. I, I, I think of myself as having a fairly good moral center, but I don't always do the right thing. And I certainly always consider the wrong thing. <laughs> right. I mean, I usually don't do it, but, you know, and so I, you know, she's shadier and she's more like my real personality. And what I'm learning is people really like the idealized me. They don't like the real me. <laughs> that, that can be tough to so, hear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, but, I guess it's. It'd be good to say that your real, the real you seems really realistic. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> uh, well, contrary to uh, your kind words, Jenny, I, I have gotten a lot of feedback from women saying that Jazz isn't really that believable a woman. So I guess I've got more, uh, more work ahead of me to write really convincing female characters. But, you know. I say don't be discouraged by that, though, because Thanks. In, in my whole life, I've noticed that there are definitely different type of women out there i kind of, i grew up with Literally. all brothers so i lean towards more of the tomboy you know wrestling and all that type of type of female where my best friend is way more feminine and the stuff that comes out of my mouth she just her jaw drops and she's like i can't believe you just said that so <laughs> there's all sorts of spectrums and you'll you'll probably find this the more and more that this book gets out you'll find women that can completely relate to it like me i can relate to her for the yeah. fact that I know people like her. <laughs> so oh, I, I think it just depends on, on 
the perception of a woman that somebody's looking at, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, and well, the other thing is I wasn't actually trying to make jazz a tomboy, you know? It's just I tried to make, make jazz a product of her environment. Artemis is a frontier town. So like all the other women in Artemis are also pretty rough and tumble too. They're not as crude as jazz, but they're all like, you know, like, you know, this is the grizzled metal worker and this is the, you know, the, and so on. It's like they're, if you're an Artemis, you're you're either a wealthy person, extremely wealthy, or you're a very hard worker. <laughs> that's that's what I got. I didn't get that she was a tomboy. Maybe I, I was reading it more as she's a she's a product of where she lives. Um, that's what I was shooting for. <laughs> that's what I got. Like I, she's she's maybe not jaded, but uh, closed off, and you know, just very open, uh, not open, but uh, honest about what she thinks. Yeah, she has her. Her life view, uh, <laughs> right? <yeah. laughs> Whether it's good or bad, I mean, she yeah, she doesn't hold back though. She wears it on her sleeve. Yeah, um, I really liked, uh, or I'm really liking since I'm not done. This this Svoboda. Svo- Svo- oh my god, <laughs> Svoboda. <laughs> yes, his character. Svoboda. I'm enjoying or that. Svobo. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I'm enjoying their interaction a lot. I like how she teases him. I'm not knowing about how to talk to women. And then I got right. just got to the point where she teased, he teased her about not knowing how to talk about men. Yeah, um, I'm enjoying that back and forth quite a bit, and I like that character a lot. <clears throat> is, oh, thanks. Yeah, is there he, any he, uh, kind of nerdy, doesn't quite take social cues guy? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm reading too much into that in my own life, but <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all I think we're all Svoboda once in a while. I mean, <laughs> sure, I certainly the, have that. <laughs> the character that surprised me the most that I ended up really, really liking are the two characters are the two that I didn't think I would like. And that's, um, Del and Sanchez. Mm-hmm. Um, Del, like when you like introduce him towards the beginning of the, the book, it's like, all right, whatever, you know? And then yeah. as it progresses, I'm like, kind of dig this guy. Like, I really liked that character through the whole second half of the book. I'm just like, it shocked me. Cause I, I thought that he would be the character that I kind of disregarded more. Mm-hmm. Really, really fun though, and I love the interactions between him and Jazz, and the determination yeah. between the both. Yeah, well, they 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 got a history, right? <laughs> and not That's... and not the history that you that that well, at least my my goal was to trick you into thinking they had a different history than they actually do. You, it worked. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, I liked I liked that reveal, and I liked the way they played that, or the way you you played that, and how she acted towards him, and in her mind she was mad at how. Uh, kind of, she was letting him back in. Um, I, I, yeah, I enjoyed that uh, quite a bit. I, I, I love the way she talks to, and I forget his name at the moment, but the the the, the security person, um, Rudy. Rudy. Rudy, yes, I love every response that she makes to him. Just makes me laugh. I, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a cops and robbers story, and their yeah. their conversations are right out of the noir the noir exactly. movie playbook. Yep. And yeah. That's, that was delivered. I, I love those movies. <laughs> it's why I love Veronica Mars so much. Uh, it, uh, yeah, no, that is right. Yeah, I never thought of that, but absolutely. <clears throat> yeah. And uh, yeah, that dialogue, I, I really enjoyed that. And uh, Brick, did you ever see the movie Brick? I never saw uh, I never saw Brick. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, great movie. Okay. I highly suggest okay. if you like noir, it's very good. I do. Uh, I do. Well, uh, like one thing I, 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 I often say is like um, Artemis, I mean, is in a, it is – like people always ask me, oh, what were your influences on this? That you know, whatever, and they're often surprised when I say, well, one of the main influences for Artemis is Chinatown. Sure, movie. I see that. 
And it's, I mean, that's what it is. It's like the stuff that happens in order for a city to grow. Yeah. It's not always pretty. <laughs> right, right. You may not want to know how the sausage is made. Yeah. It's like you never would have thought that, like, you know, in Chinatown, you never would have thought, like, a story about water rights in the San Fernando <laughs> Valley could be a thrilling <laughs> right, right. story. Uh, that, yeah, you're right. That I didn't even think about Chinatown. That's Yeah, I, I see that totally. I love, yeah, the, the, the caper side of it. And then, yeah, what you're saying with the cops and robbers relationship between her and Rudy, I... I can't say enough, like how much I wish I could have finished it before the interview. Um, but <laughs> get a <it>, jazz. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> I'm, I'm super excited to know what Dave thinks at the very end. Cause I loved the ending. Okay, cool. It, it was one of those ending that I, I couldn't have predicted Especially when you get to the last maybe 40 pages. Okay. Like everything that's happened. Good it picks up so much momentum so quickly. And you get towards like the last chapter. And you're like, how is this all going to work out? How is she not going to get deported? How is she? <laughs> how is she, everybody going to live? How, <laughs> like I'm sitting there going, I'm turning the pages all fast going, all right, this, there's no way. This is bad. This is really bad. <laughs> I... <laughs> Oh, that's another thing I wanted to mention. The the Svoboda, what? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, Svoboda? yes, his character's condom thing. Uh, uh, I, yes, makes me laugh <laughs> every time I was reading it. When they thought that, yeah, I also get a lot of feedback. Like a lot of people specifically call out the fact that coffee tastes bad in Artemis. They think <laughs> that's a real interesting little tidbit. <laughs> I hey, is that that that's got to be based on science, right? Right. The boiling point of water at uh, 0.21 atmospheres is 61 degrees Celsius. So that's the temperature that water boils at in Artemis. And so it's kind of hard to make coffee uh, steep correctly. Same with tea, I imagine. Yeah, all all coffee tastes like it does on Artemis to me here on Earth. Oh, okay. But that's just me. Well, do you like tea? Uh, Yes, I do. Tea tastes bad there, too. Oh, fine. (laughs) I'm just going to be an Earther then. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, speaking of Earther, you had to kind of create kind of your own slang and stuff, right, for for Artemis? A little bit here and there. Yeah. I what? tried not to go too far off the map. I didn't want to be like, <laughs> you know, uh, the classic Battlestar Galactica. Where right. Literally everything is some new made-up word. Future slang, yeah, right. What uh, the crack? <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, that, yeah, I was just, I was, I was in pleased that it wasn't over overkill with the the, the science guard not guarding uh, the science like uh the uh the, slang. The, the slang yes the made-up slang i'm losing my mind right now uh i, guess, I mean there's there's a few bits of made-up slang. there's sure. junk i suppose yeah yeah um, gizmo is a brand name the money oh slugs yeah yes yeah but yeah. that i mean that all makes sense i mean the gizmo thing makes sense i mean there'd be some kind of cute name for that kind of device and why not? Was, what was what was the food called again? Was it gl- gunk. gunk? Gunk, yeah. Gunk, gunk. That's the nickname for it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's chlorella algae. It's mm. um, so it's you can grow that algae in a vat, um, and it'll double its population every like few days. So you can grow massive amounts of calories and protein and stuff like that very very quickly with you know, I mean it it consumes the energy. It's like. It's not like you have to plant wheat and then wait a year. Right. It's like you can you can grow it in a very confined space. So it's it's really good for, you know, 
cheap living. It's food that's fabricated. It, well, it's food that's made in Artemis, so it doesn't have to be shipped from Earth, so it's a lot cheaper. Yeah. Uh, okay. I keep thinking it's like the um, those seaweed sheets that you can get, and some of them are wasabi flavor. <laughs> oh, yeah, kind of. But it's really more just like this powdery substance that you can add water to and make it kind of goopy. Um, <laughs> and then the idea, it, it itself doesn't have much of a taste. It tastes kind of earthy. But um, this is not fictional, by the way. Chlorella mm -hmm. exists. I mean, um, but uh, it's also um, the idea is that you – you buy gunk locally, like these bars of gunk, and then you do stuff with it, try to shape it into shapes, control the texture. And then you add these flavorants that are like extracts that you that you imported from Earth. So you paid some money to get this little bottle of extract, but you only need a little bit of it per entire bowl of gunk to give flavor. Hmm. Sounds delicious. Oh, yeah. No, the food on Earth. <laughs> yeah. Artemis, come you know, it's, yeah, come come for the views. Leave because of the food. <laughs> and you made a point of that in there that people don't really you know enjoy the cuisine uh, while they're they don't. There. Yeah, local lunar cuisine is not great. <laughs> However, if you're a tourist, you're probably going to be eating imported Earth food anyway. You're, right. I mean, you're going to be spending so much to be there. You may as well pay some more to get good food. Right. Right. Um, okay. So between the time of writing The Martian and then writing Artemis, what did you what? I don't want to say mistakes, but what did you learn from the first book to this book? Huh. Well, um, between The Martian and Artemis, I wrote about 70,000 words of a book I was uh, called Zhek, Z-H-E-K. Mm -hmm. And that, that's like I was under contract to write that and everything, and it just wasn't working. And um, I did learn a lot from it. Uh, first off, to try to keep the scale and scope of a story under control because <laughs> it was just epic, literally. And then... I was like 70,000 words in, which is like, I don't know, maybe 200 plus paperback pages worth of content. And I was still in the first act. I mean, it was just Boy. moving so slowly. This was going to be some gigantic tome of boredom. <laughs> and it just, I, I don't know, it was just not coming together. And it was also a soft science fiction story. So it's like faster than light travel and aliens and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And it, I was just like, this is not working. And so... I talked to my editor and I said, like, look, I he'd been reading the chapters as I as I, you know, wrote them. And I was like, look, I just I think this isn't working. I think I want to put this aside and work on something else entirely. And let me tell you about Artemis. <laughs> <laughs> and they they agreed. And and I'm really glad that 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 we did that. It was hard for me to set aside so much work, but I would be feeling really bad right about now after releasing a, a turd, you know. I would not be thrilled if I'd if I'd done what I considered a bad job. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I did a good job on Artemis. Remains to be seen if I did, but <laughs> I, I feel like I didn't leave anything on the table. You know, sure. I, I feel like I did my best. And if I'd stuck with Jack, I would not feel that way right now. Maybe felt forced more. <clears throat> I, I would feel like I should. <clears throat> I would be regretting the fact that I didn't stop and write a different book instead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think you'll ever go back to that original story, tweak it well, in some ways, or? I, I mean, I've got um, I've got another story idea now that uses elements of that one. So I'm gonna probably. <laughs> sorry, I'm yawning. Okay. I'm going to probably cannibalize the plot of Jack for story elements because it had some really cool, I think, story elements in it. Nice. Um. At one time, I don't know if it's still. I thought I saw something about Artemis being made into a movie. 
Well, um, Fox has bought the film rights. Right. 20th Century Fox has. That doesn't mean they'll make it a movie, but it does mean <laughs> that they've put sunk some money into it. And so, you know, fingers crossed. But in the end, like the stars have to align. Everything has to work out just right for a movie to end up getting made. So all I can do at this point is hope. Sure. <laughs> is there is there an actress in mind you'd like to, to see as jazz? See, people ask me that all the time and sure. I don't really have an answer. Because when I'm writing something, I don't get, I don't have like a, you know, like a cinematic visual of what's mm -hmm. going on. It's all kind of blobs and concepts, you know? Yeah. And so I don't know, just, I would like her to look like she's Saudi, you know, I'd <laughs> like her to, I would like her to appear like, yeah, I'd like her to have that approximate skin tone mm -hmm. and, you know, dark hair, but that's about it. You know, that I don't, I don't have any specific person in mind. Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure. That's I. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, that's always hard. I mean, on a side note, we do a book club every month um, through my comic book store. And that's the big question is, is who would you cast for each of the characters in the comic? And oh. it's it's super difficult because you'll have somebody in mind. And then when you like reread it or you think about it later, then you're like, they wouldn't work. You know, <laughs> I have never stuck to the same person that I said up front. It yeah. never. So that's what I feel bad for you just for the fact that that's a hard question, even if it's not your creation. <laughs> yeah. And it's and it's not even my job, thankfully. It's, um, you know, some it's a, a I mean, they're entire companies who all they do is cast like that's it. Yeah. Like because it, that it's that hard. <clears throat> but oftentimes in Hollywood, it comes down more to schedule than anything else. Like who's available all at the same time to make this movie. I'm sorry. I'm yawning. I'm... Well, we're not very entertaining, so that's okay. Oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that's okay. No, no worries on the yawn. It is, it is hot and it is late. <laughs> so on a, this is, has nothing to do with books or anything, but last time we talked to you, you're like, you were telling us about your, your games that you played, like your board games and huh? card games. Have you huh? gotten any new ones? Oh, yeah, since then? Yeah, a bunch. <laughs> I mean, Two years, Jenny. Yeah. I know. Well, I take notes Jenny. things. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, my, my friends and I still, we, we get together every Monday night and play games, board games. Awesome. Nice. Yeah. Do you have a, a new favorite? Oh, let's see. What are we doing right now? Um, we don't have really a flavor of the month right this moment. I recently got the expansion pack for Splendor. And that's mm. a game that I enjoy a lot. And the expansion makes it even better. And so I've always, I'm always trying to press my friends into playing that, but they don't like it as much as I do. So <laughs> we play a lot of Power Grid. Um, and uh, we also end up playing a lot of Bonanza. Mm -hmm. These are just some of the games we play. We tend to be pretty eclectic in our tastes. <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's it's a it's difficult. It's a, the only time I get new things is when I talk to people like this. So, so oh. thank you. I oh. I made a note that I had to ask you that. So I'm done now, Dave. You yep. can, back to you. <laughs> okay. Her part of this interview is done. Yeah, she's checked <laughs> out. I guess. I've yeah. got games I can play now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and since it's been two years, what uh, what are you kind of geeking out on now these days, as far as like entertainment wise, books or TV movies, that kind of thing? What are you What are you enjoying? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, like, I didn't expect to, but I'm really liking Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. I, After hearing all the horror stories coming out of the production, and I don't have any special access, just sure. what I read in entertainment stuff. And, you know, 
I, I was like, oh man, this is going to suck. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they're changing course. They fired their showrunner. They they're behind schedule. They re they rescheduled. They did a press blackout. Yeah. You know, like no no reviews allowed until such and such time. I'm like, wow, these are all these are all like telltale signs that it's going to be horrible. Mm-hmm. And then it it wasn't. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> yeah, I liked it. Um, as of the time that uh, we're doing this interview, uh, they've aired six episodes. And I've liked them all. So I'm very pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah, I was um, I was pleasantly surprised with the pilot episode. And I knew that the series would take a kind of jump after the pilot. Um, right. But I, I enjoyed the pilot enough that I'm going to finish it. That's just a matter of time. Yeah. My only complaint, and I, this is what I tell all my friends, um, is like, I'm saying like, the Klingons look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the first episode, in the pilot, uh, it gets better as the series progresses. But in the pilot, they talk so damn yeah. slow. Yeah. It's like, tall, tall, I did your mom. Whatever. And it's like, <laughs> it just, and I'm like, oh, for God's sake, this is your native language. You should be able to speak it more quickly. Yeah. But so um, that does improve um, okay. as, as the series uh, presses on. But I, I warn my friends, I'm like, look, it's really, really good, but these two things are going to annoy the hell out of you. <laughs> but just trust that that's going to get better. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, the Klingons will, you know, still look stupid. I mean, yeah. that's not going to change. But um, but at least they sound better. <laughs> and the writing's great. I, yeah. I'm very pleased. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Other geekery that I'm up to. I also like the Orville. Um, I was going to ask. Yeah, I like it. I don't like uh, I, I I don't like all of them. Some I like, some I don't. But they're mm-hmm. really starting to kind of feel their own now. They're starting yeah. to – they basically – in the early episodes, I feel like they were trying to decide whether or not they wanted to be Star Trek or Three's Company. Yep. And now they've decided, eh, Star Trek. We'll, yeah. We'll throw humor in when necessary. We're going to basically write episodes of Star Trek and throw in jokes where we can. It really, they've found the formula to old Star Trek episodes, just Deep Space Nine, Next Generation. It feels like an old school Star Wars episode. Yeah, Star Trek. Star Trek, sorry. Wow. Yeah, Star Trek. The music cues, everything. Like, it just, it totally feels like it. Yeah, and in terms of movies, I I loved Wonder Woman. So did everybody else. That's (laughs) a controversial statement. Except James Cameron. Oh, did he not like it? uh, Oh, yeah, he said something like, yeah, I don't know. He had some quote. But no, I loved it. And, uh, you know, the joke that I like to say is like, well, I unfortunately, I think it sets an unrealistic standard uh, an unrealistic goals for little girls. They think there will be better. They think there will be more good DC movies in the future. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great joke. (laughs) Like, seriously, I I mean, Wonder Woman is the first DC movie I've enjoyed Mm -hmm. since uh, The Dark Knight. Yeah. Basically, since Heath Ledger is the Joker. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah that's saying they've had three in between four in between there yeah i mean it it has not been good yeah and i'm gonna watch justice league sure i'm gonna enjoy it i'm sure but i'm really just watching to me justice league is just wonder woman 2 like that's mm-hmm. the only reason i'm watching it i just want to see more more wonder woman and i'm probably going to be disappointed because mm-hmm. it's probably they're probably going to focus on batman, batman. And superman yeah you know the Flash, Aquaman, and Wonder Woman will be like secondary characters. I suspect. I don't know. I but, don't like. I don't have any insider information. Yeah, I mean, my but, uh, my my first character love in the Justice in the Justice League is Batman, and when that's why BBS yeah. Batman vs Superman was so exciting for me. But it sucked, and yeah. I found myself more excited to see Wonder Woman in that movie uh, than anything. Yeah, that was yeah, that was a nice cameo kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah. Um, but... Are you at all excited for Thor Ragnarok? Oh, sure. Of yeah. course. <laughs> yeah, that looks looks like a, a, yeah. a good movie. I mean, yeah. Um, and uh, the director, whose name I have a very difficult time pronouncing, it's a Maori Taka, name. Taka Waititi. Okay, yeah. Uh, he's 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 funny. So yes, yes. I'm awesome. looking forward to I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, I love pretty much everything he's done. Fun of the Concords, uh, what we do in the shadows. In the shadows. Yeah, <laughs> yep. he's a good man. Wouldn't you enjoy a sandwich more? <laughs> <Anyway>. <laughs> I won't say the rest of it. You seem to be sort of a PG. Uh... <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> we let loose with the interviews. Anybody can say what they want. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So I guess that's kind of what I've been geeking out on lately. Um, not much in the way of books. You know, what's sad is like, for whatever reason, I don't, I, I don't read nearly as much as I used to just cause like, I guess I'm busy a lot. Mm-hmm. I, and so it's like, and maybe I'm less motivated because I spend so much time writing and thinking about writing that I don't want to just turn around and read afterward. I don't know. Are you afraid? But one way or another, I, I'm just not reading as much as I used to. So I'm not into any series or book uh, series right now at that, all. Yeah. That reminds me of a question when you're writing, like when you're deep into a story or multiple stories that you're doing, uh, are you ever afraid of like of, you know, absorbing new content from other people and having that like influence your story at all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm very, very susceptible to that. I, I, you know, if I watch or read something that I really enjoy, then I start thinking of stories along those lines, along mm-hmm. those plot lines and then I start like some evil process in the back of my mind says like, how can I warp the thing I'm working on to be that thing? Reverse engineer <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I've written in my mind, I've written so many different versions of the stand. I can't even. <laughs> <laughs> like, Great example. <laughs> it's one of my favorite books of all time. Oh yeah. I, how would you, I don't even know where to start, but yes. <laughs> I know it's like how would you have it in but wait what would you do here that book is so frustratingly awesome because yeah. I think everybody I've ever talked to always has that thing is like wouldn't it have been great if but then they <laughs> still love what happened oh yeah no I mean it's, it's like it's it's my favorite Stephen King book yes um and um it's one of my favorite books of all time and I, I, I've like thought about it. it, actually, like writing a story about like everyone on Earth disappears or dies or whatever, and there's a guy just trying to stay alive by himself, uh, or something like that. But it would be just too close to the Martian. It would just be like the oh, Earthling. Sure. It'd be like, okay, well, I've thought about this. It's like, what if you just woke up one day and literally you were the only person on Earth, and you have no explanation why, but all the resources and stuff are just still right there. Yeah. I'd be like, well, I guess. First, I'd get a bunch of 55-gallon barrels of gasoline <laughs> and then some generators from Home Depot so that I can at least have power for my house. And let's see what else. You, you know, it'd be yeah. like... <laughs> That's uh, the comedy version is The Last Man on Earth. Yeah, I did. I, I, I watched that, and I really liked, like, the first ep- first couple of episodes yeah. because it's it's like that where he's just, you know... <laughs> he just right. Honestly, He's like, I need something. He goes to a store and just shoots out the window with a gun and (laughs) and takes it and stuff like that. But then it started to get into cringe comedy, and I I don't like that. I don't like. Yeah, you're not supposed to like the main character. I get it. But wow, like I hated him. (laughs) I love the actor, but. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, I hated the main character. I can I can I can live with hating the main character, but Mm -hmm. I've got to like something. Yes. And it just kind of turned into. How many awkward and embarrassing and uncomfortable situations can we put this guy through? Right, right. 
I, uh, I, you know, I feel the same way with a lot of modern horror movies. Like, I don't feel for any of these characters. I'm just waiting for the serial killer to win. <laughs> like, right. It's, it's weird, but that's a sidetrack. Uh, being <laughs> that we're recording this near Halloween, do you like horror movies? Do you have a favorite? Uh, I'm not really into horror okay. or suspense. Uh, it's just not my genre. It's, sure. it's not like, oh, I'm too delicate. Uh, it's just, <laughs> I, I don't like it as much. Yeah, sure. I mean, there are certainly like outstanding movies in that field. Like, I mean, I liked, actually, I liked the new, uh, The Thing. Okay. Yeah, I did too. I thought that was really good. Um, so I enjoyed that. I haven't seen the new It. I was going to ask, yeah, about the It. About I, it yeah. I haven't seen it. I loved it. But, uh, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah, it's not really my thing. However, my girlfriend loves that stuff, so I end up getting kind of dragged into watching. <laughs> Taking it along, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, that, I, I have that to... sounds that sounds like my end too. It's like I'm obsessed with horror movies. It's my favorite genre, uh, and and my guy, he's he can take it or leave it. He doesn't mind them, but uh, I drag him to every one. <laughs> that's in- yeah. My girlfriend recently made me watch oh yeah it's on tv you gotta watch it jeepers creepers <laughs> and so i watched it and i'm like i'm like really this is you consider this good no <laughs> there but in horror there's that saying it's so bad it's good sure and jeepers creepers runs into that it's so bad it's good is jeepers creeper no i can't remember oh that's justin long right he's in that one uh yeah, yeah. and um yeah that's dude i'm a mac right yes that's, yes yeah yeah and then the woman is also the female lead is also Oh yeah, somebody fairly well known, but I forgot who. Yeah, I don't want to click the and... keyboard to look it up, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I get that movie for whatever reason. That movie and Joyride confused. I think they must have came out at the same time. Never saw Joyride. So. Paul Walker. Yeah, that movie was not good either. So hopefully okay. she doesn't make you see that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, we're going to wrap up uh, here because uh, we've kept you for almost an hour. We don't want to take up too much more of your time. There's board games to play and horror movies to be games forced to, to watch. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, so what uh, what what can we look for in the future? You know, you touched on you're working on some stuff. Anything you can reveal plot-wise maybe? or? Uh, well, no, no I, don't, I mean, basically what I'm kind of working on now, and it's just a few thousand words just kind of poking at it, mm-hmm. is another book that takes place in Artemis. Oh, cool. Um, and... I would love for Artemis to be a general setting that I can use for lots of stories. Yeah. Um, and so uh, I'm kind of – I'm trying to not to get too excited on it though because I – if people don't really like mm. Artemis that much, I'm going to handcuff I, them, I, yeah. I, I shouldn't write sequels. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would like to write a sequel and I'm kind of cautiously doing a little bit of work on it. Um, and in this one, the it's a, it's a murder mystery and the main character is Rudy. Oh, cool! Um, the Mountie, the yeah, uh, cop, the, and with so, the Han Solo pants that aren't Han Solo pants. Yeah, I get that's right. <laughs> <Very good. laughs> yes. I love that um, line because she made fun of nerds like a like a chapter before that, and then she's talking very nerdy later. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's partially nerdy, but it's also partially the fact that she has nearly eidetic memory. Like she, yeah, she just doesn't forget details. Anyway, yeah, um, <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just I'm mm-hmm. not going to throw my full weight into writing the sequel right. until I get a feel for how well Artemis is received. Cool. Uh, that's an, I, I, I wish I hadn't known that. And I hope it's well received. I know it's by me. I enjoy I'm enjoying it a lot. Uh, like I said, I started it essentially today and I'm almost done. And that's not just because of the interview. It's because I've been <laughs> I've been enjoying it. 
Um, oh, thank you. A great deal. And I know Jenny was telling me the whole time, how far are you at this part yet? Are you at this part yet? And <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but in the end, like, you know, coming <clears throat> after the Martian, inevitably, that's what everyone's going to compare it to. Sure. And it doesn't give the same feel. Right. And it's like not this. It's it's a very different story. And I think a lot of people are just going to be mad about that. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And hopefully it, hit, it finds a new, a new genre audience because there's that noir audience that's probably craving a good book. And this is with a different kind of setting than a noir movie or book. Uh, well, I, what I, I enjoyed. I think I, I, you know, kind of I, I bungled into success, but I ended up with a niche that no one else is filling at the moment, which is the, the really hard sci-fi, the scientifically mm-hmm. accurate sci-fi i mean larry niven used to do that and stuff like that but nowadays there's not a lot of books that are you know scientifically accurate sci-fi and i would so this can go one of two ways either (laughs) it continues being just me who writes these in which case i've got my own little corner of the market and that'd be great or lots of other writers will start writing them too in which case i'll have a bunch of awesome scientifically accurate sci-fi to read in my future <laughs> and that will also be great there you go i think i compared you your i think i compared the martian and your style to michael crichton the last time we talked um oh yeah and i feel the same way about this book it's i feel like everything you're telling me in it science wise is accurate if i did the research and looked it up i'd it'd probably be perfect you know spot on and I felt the same way when I'm I read sure there's some mistakes, but sure, I mean, sure. I tried. <laughs> you did the you did the work. And I felt the same way when I read a Michael Crichton book, be it about, you know, genetically engineered dinosaurs or time travel, um, you know, and, right. and his books were very different, too. So uh, but it had that element of that hard science and um, the where it flew over my head. But I, I figured what's in here is probably accurate as best he could. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I think I think you found that corner. Where, yeah, there is nobody writing like Michael Crichton right now, at least for me. That was my favorite author out in high school. <laughs> so, um, Jenny, anything else for for the good sir? For the good sir? No, I just, you got to hurry up and get out another one. I go through <laughs> books way too fast. Jenny, this one's oh, not even out. You. Give the man a break. <laughs> I know, I know. I'm selfish. It's all about me, damn it. <laughs> Uh, so I, <laughs> no, just... I, I really enjoyed it. I do have one question, though, and because I am one of those weirdos that always have a comic book, a book I'm reading, and a book I'm listening to. Uh-huh. Are is there going to be an audio release of this one? Oh yes, and I think it I think it releases simultaneously with the uh, book book, um, and it's being narrated by Rosario Dar- Dawson. Oh man, now I got to listen yeah. to it again because I love her. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yep, that's super good to hear because uh, the actors that do the audiobooks can make or break a book, and yeah. and I like doing kind of the more action, you know, where there's a little bit more going on than like a subtle book. I like doing them in audio because mm-hmm. when I'm in my car and I'm trying not to kill people on the 405 freeway, <laughs> they're perfect. But you'll get like you'll get a book where like the the actors like. And Game of Thrones. Walk. <laughs> yes, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Game of Thrones is a tough listen. <laughs> it's a hard read. Um, well, and it's funny. was great. Oh, so, yeah, that was R.C. Bray. He did a fantastic job. Um, people kept asking, like, are you going to have R.C. Bray, you know, read uh, Artemis? And I, I'm like, I think his extremely masculine, gravelly <laughs> voice might not be quite right for jazz. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe Matt Damon can play her in the movie. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but my, um, yeah, uh, what was that? Um, 
I'm blanking. Rosario. Oh yeah, Rosario was saying like what we we did a panel at New York Comic Con together. I skyped in, oh, cool. and she was there in person, and um, that was the first time we ever directly interacted. And she was like saying like, oh, I loved reading it, but I had no idea when I took the job that there were that many different accents. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> there's people from all over the world. Oh yeah, she had to play a different character quite often. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Um, I yeah. Speaking on audiobooks, I'm listening to. Uh, they did a book about the upcoming Star Wars game that's coming out, Battlefront, two. Okay. And it's based on Janina Gavonker's character. Um, and okay. she did the audiobook. Dad, I'm not a video game guy. I'm oh, a board okay. Game guy. But what's yeah. it, this is the first time I've ever listened to an audiobook where there's sound effects too, and oh, like it. Yeah, right. Uh, I was a little thrown away, thrown aside by that. I'm like, whoa, what's happening here? All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I enjoy the fact that she's the character in the game and does the voice and then she actually assigned not to do the book too. So I figured, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Rosario Dawson. So this book comes out November 14th, right? That's correct. Um, and it'll be available anywhere you can get books, iPads, anywhere you can get books. yeah, Amazon, uh, Audible, all online and at your local brick and mortar. There you go. Um, we'll definitely have links to wherever they can get it, uh, be it Audible, uh, you know, everywhere uh, on the internet to find it. Uh, to make sure, and we'll be talking about it for a long time, I think, because I'm, like I said, I love it. And I, I have the same feeling after reading The Martian that I'm getting from this, so. Um, well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course, that's the goal, right? <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> uh, so thank I hope, I hope other people share your opinion. <laughs> I'll make them. I will make them. Because, <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, because, of course, you know, following up The Martian is a tall order. Yeah. I mean, when you get right down to it. And it's like, what's the old saying? Um, Give a man a book and you te- and you entertain him for a night. Teach a man to read and you give him crippling self. Oh, sorry. Keep a ma- teach a man to write and you give him crippling self doubt for life. <laughs> and yep. that's uh, you know. <laughs> yep, that's how I feel about everything I write. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, that imposter syndrome. This. And I, I, uh, this is an epic name drop, but there's no way not to sound that way. It's like um, I hang out with George R. R. Martin from time to time. There you go. And. I was telling him, I'm like, man, falling off the Martian is hard. I'm just like feeling really insecure about this. And that like, I've got my like, you know, imposter syndrome going on mm-hmm. full, full, full speed ahead. I'm just like, I'm just like, oh God, this is the one, this is a book where everybody's going to realize that, oh, he just got lucky that one time and he's not actually a good author. Right. <laughs> and George said, yeah, that never goes away. <laughs> so when you're working on your like 27th book or whatever, you'll be thinking that same thing. The same so thing. It can all get comfortable yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta love that feeling every day of your life. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, good luck with that, Andy. And thanks for joining us. Thanks. <laughs> no, no, but thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. We love talking to you. You're always a lot of fun. Um, and your books are so entertaining. Thank you so much for taking all the right, time. Thank you. And there you have it. Andy Weir. The man is amazing. You say things. I say things. He is amazing. I always have such a great time talking with him because he's he's pretty witty. He's pretty fun. Yeah, he's a good man. Took took some time out of his busy, busy schedule to record that for us. We recorded that a couple weeks ago uh, because, again, he's very busy. The book just came out. He's got book tours to do. Got to promote that book. And to make it easy for you, we put it in the show notes, a link to Amazon to pick up the book, uh, however you want to pick it up. Audio version, uh, get your hard copy, I think paperback is already available too, I don't know. Um, either way, get this book, it's very, very good. And I'm going to actually uh, double up on it. I read the the book, now I'm going to get the Audible because... Yeah, I got to hear Rosario Rosari- Dawson. Yeah, Rosario Dawson's doing the voice, so I'm like, 
ooh, I'm kind of I'm kind of intrigued because like as I was noting, it's like the main character is fascinating because I didn't like her through most of the book, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm curious what an actress would do to add to that because I think it's a good thing that I didn't like her because it did add that layer of, you right. know, characterization to it. But yeah, I really I'm really intrigued by the audio audio on this one. Yeah, and I did like the character. So and I did finish the book since this interview at that interview. I had maybe uh, I don't know. I don't know how many pages left, but I finished it that night and because uh, I couldn't put it down. I loved the book. It was fantastic. And I can't recommend it enough. Go get it now. Uh, if you have not read The Martian, get that as well. They're not a series, but you should read it because it's just good. Um, and yeah, show some love to uh, to Andy and Artemis. So pick it up. Click the Amazon link. If you don't click the link, just go to Amazon. Barnes & Noble, Borders, if there's even Borders anymore, I have no idea. Your local bookstore, pick it up. Uh, check out his website. He's doing book tours and stuff. So you can get autographed, all that good stuff. Um, and yeah, hopefully we'll have him back on again when they decide to, uh, make this movie or, uh, when his next book comes out set in the world of Artemis, which would be fantastic too. Sounds like that's... I'm super <laughs> excited for like, I want them to go into one of the other characters. Like, do you have a character that you really want him to do? Well, I liked the one that kind of the, the, the nerdy guy, um, that's helping her kind of along the way. The one with the, uh, the dildo. Yes. Yes. <laughs> The condom, I guess. The condom, yeah. The condom. And then, uh, well, he mentioned in the interview that the cop might get one and it would be very noir style. And I would love I would love that, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's that's who I think I would want to see a, a spinoff on is definitely the cop. Except after after we did this interview, I started thinking about it more. I kind of want a backstory on her dad. That because would be cool. everybody knows her dad. Everybody respects her dad. But I don't know. He just seems way too cool. Like he's got to have a backstory. Yeah. Well, he does seem very not bland, but very low key. Yeah. Um, maybe even the the person that's running Artemis could get her own story, just to see how uh, how she does things. I'm trying like to, the government of yeah, it. Yeah, I'm trying not to give anything away. Um, just to see how things get done in her world, because it's a very different world than you know all these other characters. So. Yeah, uh, be on the lookout for that. Um, in the show notes, I'll also include uh, access to like his Twitter, uh, so you can follow him on Twitter. I think he's on Twitter, right? He is. Uh, he has a Facebook page. There you go. So I do not think he has an Instagram though. <laughs> um, I do. <laughs> I do have a, a link to his previous episode with us where we talked about the Martian. That was episode forty-nine. That's in the show notes as well. If you want to go backwards and check that out when we talked to him um, back in the day. Uh, but yeah, so you can find uh, all of that stuff in the show notes. Pick up Artemis today. You're not going to regret it. Let us know what you think about it. Hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at Atomic Geekdom. Let us know all your thoughts on the book. If you enjoyed it, what you thought of the episode as well? Um, what uh, what uh, what you would do if you lived on the moon in this little colony? Like, what job would you have? Would you be a smuggler like the main character of Artemis? You know, what would you hmm. what would you do? But uh, Jenny, if people want to talk to you on Twitter about this book or any of the other books we do. Robbie Art and, and also on Instagram. I love uh, the comments and such. We'll post up book covers and things so you can always check, you know, check in there, add some comments, get the conversation going um, on our website, Facebook page, you name it. You can find it pretty much anywhere. But um, we'll be having another book club coming up um, and. We'll release a new new title and keep you guys posted. Well, we got to do a book club on this book. 
because I know we should. We should. So. Yeah, yeah. Because the the other <clears throat> the other team members have not read it yet, yeah, which I know, I know the I know fifty percent of them so far have been like comes out on Tuesday, right? <laughs> so so it's gonna be good. Yeah. So we'll get we'll get that as an episode. Uh, we'll give you guys time to read it as well. So maybe it'll be the January book club or the end of December one. Um, so everybody has a chance to read it. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that's our show this week. We'll be back, I think, with a geek out because there's so much stuff uh, with The Punisher. Star Wars Battlefront 2 comes out this week, if you haven't already gotten it. And then Justice League comes out this week. So we got a lot of stuff to talk about and review. Um, I actually just saw a screener of Justice League and two thumbs up. There you go, guys. There's my non, non-spoilery review of Justice League. Um, go into it with an open mind and just want to have fun, and you'll enjoy it a lot. It's it's not what you're expecting. Let me just put it that way. If you're expecting more Batman v Superman, if you didn't like it. So there you go. All right. That's it. Uh, we will see you next week. Everybody have a good week. Jenny, say goodbye. 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 <laughs>